Alphabet Intelligence Podcast. Afrobeat Intelligence, democratizing African music. So, I'm very particular about like your joy. You've been sharing a lot of your joy on social media. Mm. Something about, you know, I read a tweet from you the other day about, you know, thinking about this life and, you know, getting it and how it feels and all of that. Yeah. What's up with that? I mean, it came off a conversation I had with someone about, you know, my quote unquote achievements. Yeah. And it was like, you know, you 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 you've done a lot. What's the next stage? Like you shouldn't be driving this car. You shouldn't be What doing. do you drive? <laughs> <laughs> so for the last nine years I've been driving a Camry. I bought a Camry in twenty thirteen. I drive uh, a Camry. Yeah. So I bought a, a Camry it's a twenty twelve Camry. I bought it twenty thirteen. And I've been dri- I've had no reason to change the car yeah. until recently. I changed it recently, but um, at the time that conversation came up, it was like, "Oh, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be going this. You should be wearing these type of clothes. You should be doing." This. And I'm like, "I achieved my the goals I set for myself as a young person. I achieved them when I was like 26." Yeah. Um, and so since then, I've just been well. During my thirtieth, I think I've just been grateful. Yeah. You know when you're just in a space where you look at where you're coming from. I mean, we're recording in my house. This Yeah. This this It's a beautiful office. Yeah. So yes. this this apartment, my mom used to clean this place. Wow. Yeah. For real? Yeah. My mom used this to particular work apartment. At, yes, this exact one. Your mom was a cleaner here. Yeah. And now her son is So, you know, the day she the first day she came in um to visit me. She when we walked into the compound, she looked she it looked familiar for her and she was like, I know this place. So we come up the stairs, she's like, I know this place. So we opened the door and she just started crying. Because she was like wow. I wasn't even when I told her, Oh, sit down, she's like, I can sit here. That kind of <laughs> stuff, you know. She she wasn't even That's allowed beautiful. to sit in the living room. So um I'm I'm at that point where I'm just grateful. I'm not in a in a space where I'm pompous or proud or i'm just grateful every day i wake up my wife is amazing i have a healthy son i live comfortably um my wife was asking me earlier like what do you want for your birthday i actually don't know i have <laughs> i have everything i need you're one of those people that have everything you need. i have everything i need and so i'm grateful so you know it's not about you know my 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 kaftans my clothes i don't buy designer clothes not yeah. because there's anything wrong with it it's just i don't you know i, I was never it, it doesn't speak to you you know it doesn't so i i have the, i buy my and i support my friends businesses yeah uh, so i buy my my materials from my friend ahmed um he's been the one selling all my materials to me yeah. so any material i wear is ahmed um i i don't buy yogurts except from my friend's friend's wife you know i'm that kind of person so yeah. i don't really pay a lot of attention to to um what i should be wearing or car i should be driving i'm just in a space where i'm grateful Hmm. but that's beautiful that's beautiful um because i recently and i just i think i just got to that place recently where i'm looking at my life and the things i have done and where i have come from to this point and 
I'm just overtly thankful. Yeah. For everything. If you, I mean, if you think, I mean, fair enough. There are of the houses we dream to live in. Yeah. Are the houses some people are born in? True. Right. True. And so, for some people, certain things don't mean anything or taken for granted. Some of us, I know where I came from. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I look at where I am and then where I'm coming from, and you would be ridiculous not to be grateful. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But this gratitude, this this feeling of thankfulness regarding where you are, like how does it, in a manner of speaking, like how does it permeate into how you conduct your business and everything else? Well, it it reminds me that nothing is permanent. Um, So you have um, staff who, you know, I have staff or people who have worked for me who are running their own businesses now. Yeah. Um, They're making a lot of money. Um, So you just, you just, it reminds you to treat people with respect. Yeah. Right. Regardless of what they do for you. Sure. You know, um, it, it also reminds you to be, reminds you to be cautious in your, your speech in your approach in in considering humanity in your actions yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah. as you as you go through life yes there are times when your team members will do stuff that you're not happy with you address it you know but you also i remember one time i was really really upset with how the team worked and i was really angry and i wrote like i was just going on my on the whatsapp group and you know when i was a bit calm i felt bad so I reached out and apologized to the team. Yeah. You know, told them, you know, that really wouldn't like to be in that position anymore where I'm that angry. So now I'm also a bit more cautious when 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 I'm getting riled up, I sit back, I look at everything, you know, like right now I'm unhappy about something. Yeah. <laughs> right. But instead of reacting, I've thought through, okay, what, what would be the challenge? So I've interacted with them individually to understand what their challenges are and then I've called for a meeting because now I know what the problems are. I want to now address those individual issues. Um, some of it is work-related. So it's those type of... That helps me review my approach with my staff, with my yeah. clients, with people. And if I lose an opportunity, I don't see it as a failure. I see it as, okay, it didn't happen. On to the next one. I don't dwell. I don't cry over stuff because... I kill me. You know, yeah. I'm not defined by it. You know, yeah. so I just, you know, the deal didn't come. Okay, cool. Let's keep moving. What's the next one? It helps you just move on. You're just in the space where you're thankful for the opportunity to even have that conversation in the first place. Yeah. And now you create something out of nothing. MBA, for example, was created of absolutely nothing. Yes. Right? Um. So it was out of nothing. Like I was in the bathroom, I was talking to my wife, and I said, you know, I have this idea I think we should expand on MBA. I want to expand on the training program that I'm doing. Yeah. And idea, conversation. I went and took all the MBA for African names uh, onto social media. I bought the domain. Wow. Um, I called the graphics guy. I said, build a one-pager. Like, you know, we just started. And what started as a simple conversation in the bathroom has become MBA for Africa right now. So... Just you just get to that point where like <laughs> you know um it's just we we think about stuff we do it and we take it for granted because yeah. there are many people for every attempt that you see success there's probably like a thousand people who tried and failed and you know it's just be grateful man well 
but the last time I was here, this wasn't your mien. This wasn't mm. how you approach stuff. You were in the middle of a of your first, yeah, the first uh, cohort, yeah, uh, the first season. If yeah. I would, yeah, uh, use TV palettes, yeah, and you seemed like you were pretty much strapping. I was. So let me give you a breakdown of MBA. So an MBA is uh, what is MBA? Music Business Academy for and Africa. what do you do? What what does it do? So basically, we're trying to educate the African industry, the music industry. For now, we're okay. going to move into other sectors, other industries, but we're focused on the music industry. And for us, it's building a more informed and employable, yeah, and empowered workforce for oh. for the African music industry. Okay, cool. So, so I, I usually ask for this definition, yeah. so the people who done. Yeah. the casuals i have a lot of people who know about music so much yeah. <laughs> that's fine that's so fine. yeah they just come to me to know about music just let so. me know if anything because me obviously i'm talking to you as someone who knows so i'm going to use abbreviations i'm going to no, use words so if, if you need to pull me back feel I'd free always i'd always pull um, you back the so what we did with with the music business academy was um i set up a sort of a three-phased approach yeah um so phase one was camp which was used to test conversations like what some of the modules were developing yeah. so we did the boot camp 160 people registered for that i was like okay <laughs> this is in the middle of the pandemic yeah. all right let's see how it goes um and then after that we i used that boot camp to now develop a three month three module you know program yeah and i announced that 65k or something like that and 140 people registered so i, wow. I panicked i was like go oh, this is bigger than than I had actually thought. You panicked because it I was, panicked it was because more than you expected. It was more than I expected. And and I had just two people working for me. Um, actually, one person. The other person was just assisting me. So it was really, really like, okay, let's... And during the pandemic where I was making no money, they refused to leave. You know, I was like, wow. I don't, I can't afford to pay you. They were like, yeah, we're here. So, for you real? know, those... Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, shout out Luther, shout out Choma. Nice. And they were like, look, whatever nice. you need, let us know. Um, and I, I think I, we did the program. I announced MBA at my traditional wedding. <laughs> I was, I was on my way. <laughs> I was on my way to, to, to my traditional marriage when I was typing and, and posting about MBA. What was the traditional marriage? What so country? In Nigeria. It was in New York. In, was well, I, I thought you, you were, you're not connected to a Nigerian in terms of partnership. No. So, um, the my partners are in the UK and America. Um, I mean, like, if partnership. Oh, my 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 wife. Yes, your wife is in Nigeria. My wife is from Akwaibu. I thought your wife was not from this. Country. No, my wife is from Etinan in Akwaibu. I'm from I'm from Abak. Yes, yeah, I'm yeah. from Abak too. Yeah, <laughs> so we, the, it's funny because we were just talking, and I was like, "Oh, Joey, where where in Akwaibu are you from?" And it's like Abak. I was like, "What?" It's like Utuabak. I'm like, you're from yeah, my village. Yes, we're from the same. <laughs> <laughs> you're from my village. I'm we're still from the same village. I'm still mind blown. You know, because I'm asking things like, oh, you know UPC is like, yeah. Yeah, I'm I like, know UPC. <laughs> UPC is mine. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So um, so yeah. So I mean, I was getting married in Etinan in in Aquarium, and I was posting about MBA. Yeah. So everything was bootstrapped. We were, I I had. Over 100 meetings in 2021. With over 100 meetings. meetings. I spoke For to, MBA. Yes, I spoke to almost every bank. I spoke to 
all telco companies um i spoke to no actually except one telco company but i spoke to everybody in the rest i spoke to um almost every agency i could find i spoke to everyone and this is just nigeria then we had i had conversations with all the platforms my partner set up meetings yeah. with everybody music platforms uh record labels management companies everyone um and i think the only people that gave us money was <laughs> was sterling bank sterling bank uh, yeah so sterling bank gave us for the first program they came on as partners yeah um and then they gave us money for the women's program audio mark gave us money for the women's program okay. um chart metric gave us some money to support uh the program as well that's nice yeah chart metric yeah i, I wouldn't have thought of that as yeah some, so as, we, as a company I, that would support music actually i i reached out to chart metric to for them to help us track the progress of the talent product program um and so they gave us free accounts for the students they did a bunch then they gave us money as well to support wow, what we're doing i mean it wasn't a lot of money um but it solved some problems it solved a lot of problems um so my personal investment in mba last year was about 20 million your personal personal investment. yeah i remember having this conversation with you and so this is the second time we're having this conversation. Yeah. The first one was supposed to be written, but I've grown in yeah. skill yeah. and tech. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> cool. Everything happens when it's supposed to happen. Yes. And a lot of the time you spoke to me about your, how much you've invested in this, yeah. in educating people about music, in building up new professionals in the space and creating a system where People are well versed in the industry. Yeah. People understand what they're doing in music yeah. before they go into the space, yeah. and and how that plays out over time is, you'd have these people become leaders of industry. Yeah. You'd have them do things the right way. You'd have them understand what it means to either handle a career or handle a a business yeah. within that career. Yeah. So you mentioned that you spent twenty million. If I had twenty, if Okay, I have to I have twenty million, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to spend my twenty. So even I'm not going to spend my think, twenty million on, I, on on educating the public. I so, think if we had done the same thing, would have my wife would have. If I had done the same thing this year, my wife probably called for an invention intervention. <laughs> I think she would have done that because year one I took a loan because I didn't want to. I was getting married and I didn't want to touch like money for my wedding or stuff. So I took a loan for MBA. Yeah. Um, and I regretted it a great deal. Why do you uh, regret it? Um, because I think it was per particularly about the company. I don't want to mention yeah. them. I like I've I was never I've never been as stressed as I was. People were calling me every day to repay this loan. You know, yeah, like oh, you not paid this week or to you're not service doing this. the loan. Yeah, to service the loan, and so obviously I was depending on registrations to pay. Um, I, but I, I paid the money back and I promised myself that I wouldn't. So I took a, you know, bootstrap, took some of the people, took some personal loans, reached out to people that I could trust, um, that I respect. And I said, look, this is what I'm trying to do. So I took loan from here, friends, family, um, <laughs> and I was able to raise the money and I ran with the program. Um, and I didn't break even. <laughs> You know, from yeah, last year so I didn't all, break even. All of that loan, all of that money that you were indebted for. No, I paid the people back. Yeah, you paid them back. But for, 
what, I, what did that do to your finances? Um, that's what I'm saying. I think if I had done it again, my wife would have called an intervention because <laughs> you know I had to dip into family savings. I had to, you know, you know, at some point even ask her for help as well. You know, right. um, just to say, look, on the home front, help me. I'm, I need to do this, and you know, <laughs> she, my wife is a very, my wife is a businesswoman, yeah. right? So. You need to explain everything. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you can't just yeah, be making decisions yeah. and Every doing stuff. Every penny needs to be. And I'm not gonna lie; a lot of it didn't make sense at the time. You know, at the time. So, so a lot of it didn't make sense. No, at the time. it didn't. It, it didn't make sense. And and for for a woman who is very, my wife is probably one of the most logical people. Sometimes our arguments annoy me, but it's because she's right. Yes. <laughs> right. So. Um, you know, but, 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 but she supported to be honest, me. To be honest, women are always right. They're always right. Yeah, they're always <laughs> right. My wife particularly is is always right. So, you know, it was. But she supported me regardless, regardless yeah. of how much it didn't make sense at the time. And we knew we were building something. We we're proud of what we we're building, but it was costing a lot of money. Um, running MBA this year is costing us. It's going to cost us about three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, so that's more it's than over three hundred actually. That's more than I've ever held that money <laughs> in my hand. <laughs> it's gonna cost us that much, but it's it's because of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, you can't the the quality of what we're trying to develop. I mean, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the faculty and the guest members that are doing it for free. There are people who have said, you know what, don't pay me. I'll support. I'll you know I'll do what I can. That's saving us money. Um, but. There are things that we can't compromise on. For example, I have a meeting later today. We're about to announce our um, partners, which by the time I'm sure this comes out, they'll probably be... Yeah, they'll be all in, they'll be all <laughs> um, in the public. But, uh, you know, they're, they're providing about... Um, you can talk about your partners. Yeah, now. they're providing about $100,000 in, in, in for the talent project. So we have... Um, we're doing... We're going to select seven artists from across Africa this year. Beautiful. And we're giving... We're giving each team. We're gonna each artist is gonna have a team from the students. Yeah. The students will work so as they learn, they will practice with the artists. Oh. But they will have a budget of about ten thousand, equivalent of ten thousand dollars each, uh, oh. to work with. That's amazing. Yeah. So you know, and then we have about thirty grand to market the EP. So we we actually so these are the things that are making the program cost money. Um, you know, the the program itself getting. You know, some people will charge you money. Some people will say, because I don't have a relationship with them. Uh, some people will say, you know, I'll do it for you. But we also have like a team that's working. We have, like, we just announced Elizabeth as program director. Yeah, we have a that's, program. That's, that, 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 that's one of my, my close, my, my good friends. Yeah, so she's she's game. she's amazing. And so she, we have a program pro project manager. We have a head of admin. We have an account that's team. Elizabeth Shobowale. Elizabeth right? Shobowale, yeah. yeah. We have an a, admin. We have an accountant. We have... <laughs> We have a production team. We have a graphics team. The website. We have an IT team. All of this costs money. You know, the paying for the learning management system for the classes because we want to ensure that people who pay, you know, someone someone doesn't just distribute the, the link to the classes or whatever. So there's yeah. a learning management system you have to sign into to watch classes, to engage, do quizzes, etc. Yeah. And you know, all of this, and then we have to edit, we have to put it out, we have to market, we have to promote. That's a lot. It's a lot of money. And so, and at every point in time, like at every point where you have to like innovate or build the systems around around teaching people about music and how to be professionals in the space, 
it's it's an expense it is it's an it's an expense on, on, on it, your book it, it is but you see the thing is i've not spent my money this year let's, let's <laughs> put it this way let's just put it that way right that's that, that's so good that's i've not good. spent my money this year so we've been in a good place where we now know okay we can we can deliver this project with partners you know the partnership with youtube is a running partnership it's it's going to happen next year again and you know they've and they're amazing people. Adi is amazing. Christina is amazing. Yeah. And so it's just those long term. I, I think Adi is amazing. Yeah. I've, I've been speaking to her for a bit. Um, we have had conversations across board. And I think she's 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 really amazing. She's good. She's, she's great. She's, she's great. really invested in this space. She is. She is very. Um, and, you know, those are the type of partners we want to work with. Like Music Ally. They believed in what we're doing before we had money. You know what I yeah. mean? They put their name behind the program. Yeah. They sent out releases. They spoke to their friends. They spoke to everyone. And Music Ally, what people don't know, is Music Ally has been training for the last 11, 15, close to 20 years. They've been training people in some of your biggest companies from the record labels, the big three record labels wow. to Spotify, Amazon, you know, YouTube, Platoon. They've literally been involved in the development of the industry over the last decade plus and so though what we're trying to do and they were like look we'll run with you and i will say this music ally didn't make money from mba last year yeah. you know obviously we didn't make money but they didn't charge me for anything you know that's, and, and that's beautiful you know what i mean so i remember when the head of commercials uh the commercial director uh, was like oh you know are we partnering i was like what do you mean are we <laughs> you know it, it's because i mean when 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 money came when we yeah. got the first sponsorship it, i thought i understood where they're coming from because most people would be like oh we have money now we don't need you but i was like no nah, like we're doing this together i i you know we had an agreement that you guys would make some money from this you didn't and you you're still doing this with me i want to make sure that you guys are repaid for your for your for your support for 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 your loyalty and stuff like that um and then dr carlos chirinos i didn't pay him yeah you know what i mean like you you get to that point where look at all the support that's coming and you're just like okay how do i ensure that these people benefit from what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to do so for me those those are the things i'm focused on going forward how do we build those long-term partnerships with people who genuinely genuinely care about our industry nice well, I'm thinking about this, like, for you, I've known you since I've been in the industry. I, I got into this industry in, I think, 20, late 2012 okay, and early 2013. Mm. That's when I really got into the space. Yeah. And when you talk about Godwin Tom, you're talking about management. Mm -hmm. You're talking about um, finding ways to make artists go closer to the money. Yeah. And, and that's what you've done. You've done this with a number of artists yeah. that are pop stars right now. That yeah. be people that command the greatest performance fees. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you've done that like across industries in the entertainment space, yeah. like music, Nollywood, and a bunch of others. Yeah. For me, I'm just wondering, like, could have been anything. Yeah, yeah. You could have taken this. I know a lot of the careers within within the industry are very entrepreneurial yeah. now we've had like legacy platforms coming people are going in-house to you know feed the machine yeah but you didn't do that 
why 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 did you think it was important to teach people rather than go somewhere where you'd make money and do little work because of my calling what's your calling nation building okay in what sense um so not everybody who nation builds needs to be a politician okay right um and i don't feel comfortable doing anything other than developing people building businesses developing people to run those businesses and and finding ways that you know my my saying is the, the say this the, the true test of power and influence is in its distribution how many people do you empower yeah you tweet that a lot yes how many people do you empower how many people do you give opportunities how many people do you open the door for and show the light um so everything i do is is guided by that it's it's not a you're right i could i could be anywhere i yeah, could, could be anywhere you i could, could be work in-house. for i could literally work for i literally had company. a conversation with you the last time when you considered going in-house yeah um and I'm, i mean i'm open to it and the reason why i'm open to it is because we complain about but things don't work yeah in the industry in the industry but you can't fix if you're not at the table True. right so as much as and that's part of why we're training all these people because we need people who know what they're doing at the table and sometimes you need to roll your sleeves and get in and try and fix a problem i remember i i read a tweet the other day about somebody who was a company but he 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 was a he was a client for a company but you know how you know platform service multiple people yeah so he was complaining about a particular bug that this app had and he complained and complained nobody so he applied to the company <laughs> got into the position just to fix this fix bug. the bug and after wow. fixing the bug this is what the person tweeted he 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 had a sigh of relief and then he tendered his resignation for like, real <laughs> like so, he literally went so, in just to fix his problem someone, and i think someone saw a problem yeah and complained, complained about it nobody for so did long, anything nobody did anything and then he applied to that company that had the responsibility to fix that problem and then he got fixed in, it fixed the problem and then resigned and then resigned yeah and i think that's balls man yeah but i also think maybe maybe not resign in that manner but more people need to do that more people need to stop complaining and be part of the solution and where do i where can i sit in and be part of the solution if if we want to fix coson how do i fix coson don't sit down and yell on social media find out they have a an articles of association you know uh memorandum like they have some of understand they have everything you need to find out how you can fix the problem yes you know um and and instead of talking about it girl how you can be part of the program so you can fix the problem yeah cuz the coson is Ni- uh, copyright society is the copyright society of nigeria okay. um and and right now they're having fights with another collecting society of nigeria and it's it's just drawing us back right yeah. so instead of us fighting and 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 pointing fingers we should be thinking how do the artists eat you know and and that's the so i'm i'm not averse to joining a company or finding solutions to come to 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 situations what i'm more concerned about is doing nothing you know uh, <laughs> you know yeah, and you just can, you can't do nothing you know and just complain about the problem and you know mba result of a need mba came about because i was trying to do a masters in music business management yeah and i when university of westminster has one of the best in in the world i mean amongst other uh organizations and i reached out spoke to some of the people there 
But then I realized that most of the things they're going to teach me won't won't apply here. Yeah, because you know, because this market this is, is a very, peculiar it's market. Very unique. Yeah, it's a unique market, so it wouldn't work. So I came back and I was like, ah, okay, let me check Africa, where none, zilch, no, <laughs> no university across the continent was offering it. It was a need. Now I could sit down and tweet about how there is no university offering it. I could just go and do it, right? I have no background in education. I have no background in 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 setting up any institution. I had no background there, but I was like, look, we have to do it. I read everything, <laughs> you know, everything. What do you need to set up a structure? And we started building step by step to build the structure we have. So we could sit down and, and complain about the issue, but the best way to solve the problem is to be part of the machine and then figure out what in that machine is affecting us adversely and contribute to fixing it. And then you can go back because when it's working, then I can go back and run another company, management company, and things are working. I have more informed people in the system. We have uh, an organization that respects our music and our culture. We have all those things that are happening because things are fixed. So we can't complain from now to tomorrow. But, you know, the worst thing I will do in my career is nothing. When you think about it, um, when you think about, like, the spaces we've been in, and how a lot of the focus is basically on getting money. Mm. And regardless of whatever happens on the side or whatever, as long as an artist or whoever is running that artist gets paid, they're good. Yeah, that's the mindset that needs to change. Yes. Um, because, like, having a beautiful house. Yeah. But once you open your gate, the road is rubbish. That's a lot in Lekki and Right, right? <laughs> and, and that's why there's hardly development. Because yeah. to get, yes, you, when you get to your house, you're comfortable. But you forget that your car will get damaged if it has to continue going through that road. So you're not helping yourself by being the nicest house on the street. What you're doing actually is pulling some unnecessary attention to yourself. But I feel like we, 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 so here's how I see it, right? And this is what this is one of the premise for MBA. There have always been programs for artists. Yeah. As a matter of fact, thousands of artists benefit from, you know, program writing camps, production camps, like talents. They benefit from this. Now, what we fail to understand is that the the people you see yeah. on stage, yeah. see in the the newspapers and all that stuff, yeah. the guys in a, front of the camera, it's a tip of a massive iceberg, right? And the, the best way to describe it is on the artist side, Not I'm not talking about live events, I'm talking about, you know, tour managers, or talking about event organizers or production crews, just the artist space. For every artist that is mildly successful, three to 10 jobs are created. Yes. Three to 10, at least three. That means if 1,000 artists are mildly successful, they're making some money from platforms, they can afford to travel, they can afford to invest, three to 10,000 jobs that are created. Who is training these guys, right? And we can talk about that. We can use the same scenario, right? So one artist makes money, but the industry suffers. Eventually, the artist will suffer. Sure. Because it will come back to, let's, you're, let's say you're doing shows in America, you're, you're doing well, and you're making money in foreign currency. Unless you move to America 
and continue your career and build your businesses around that system. Around that, yeah. You, you know, and even that's not guaranteed. Yeah. But eventually, after touring the world, you're going to come back home. Yeah. And you're going to come back to the mess that has not been fixed. So even if you're doing all right right now, how well will you do in 50 years? How well will you do in 30 years? And this is a question that a lot of people are failing to answer. Um, so in terms of how we we see the industry and people benefiting from it, we have to think, and you don't expect, and this is the mistake, we have this expectation of artists to yeah. think about these problems for us. That's not the artist's job. No, artists just want to make Exactly. Music. They they want to focus on creating. And somebody needs to be, somebody needs, to, we need people who are sitting down and saying, let the artist do what the artist does. Yeah. Let us build an enabling environment so that not only will the artist benefit, but so that people can eat, so that, you know, um, an artist can employ staff, you know, so that somebody can invest in touring. You know, so that somebody can invest in publishing and people can fix the problem and we can get the government involved. We can create health insurance for artists. We can work with the transport ministry to solve from like nobody needs to be thinking about that. And we've for too long just focused on the artists and forgotten that the artists cannot survive in an ecosystem that doesn't work. Yes, I understand that. Well, you know how this country is. Mm. You know how innovation has come within this country. Mm. I think about it. All of the advancements we've made in music, mm. all of the the infrastructural builds that we've had over the years, it's come from people saying, okay, I see a problem, and I, I'd find a way to solve it for myself. Mm. And if I can solve this problem for myself and benefit from the solution, then other people would just show up and, you know, try to take what I have created and run with it. Mm. So we've seen this happen with things like VAS. Mm. We've seen this happen with even streaming mm. over time. But, but yours is different because you see a problem and your problem is very unique in the sense that while you are good, while you can continue to generate value for yourself and your family and you can decide not to give a shit about this mm. industry, but by addressing this problem, you're solving the problems of the entire game. <clears throat> Joey, the the focus for me wasn't money. That's why I could spend my money. What was it then for you? The focus was building a network of people I could be proud of. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy ridiculous. because you've spent your entire career... Yeah. Working with a lot of artists. So yes, but you see, I why, realized... Why the, why the investment in people? The investment in people because of things I personally went through, right? I, I, one, of my, one of my mentees told me about a deal that she, she closed and her percentage, and I laughed because when I started my career, I didn't make that kind of money, that percentage. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, being able to see people grow and solve problems to the point where you are now comfortable enough to say, well, I have this opportunity, I'm, I'm sending it to you. Um, and then some of my students have given me opportunities as well. That's and beautiful. so when, when you think about it in the long run, you realize that the problem you're solving, it, it usually starts from solving a problem for yourself, right? Yeah. Um, there's a five-point, I always say this five-point um, process that I use for my personal life. 
So there is whatever you decide to do. And, and I'll say something after this. Whatever you decide to do, you learn. You learn about it. You practice. That's the next step. After, yeah. after you learn, you practice. If you practice well enough, you're going to start providing solutions. Yeah. And when you provide enough solutions for multiple people, that gives you relevance. Sure. Right. What you do with that relevance is what gives you money. Yes. Right. Now, we're at a point where people are forgetting the importance of um, meaning. Right. So I chase meaning. Yeah. I don't chase happiness. Okay. I chase meaning. Meaning gives me happiness because happiness is a fleeting thing. It's a thing that happens now. Somebody comes and dashes me a new phone. I'm happy. You're in a good mood. I'm in a good mood, you know. But if that phone falls, <laughs> if that phone falls while I'm excited and yeah. maybe I mistakenly hit this table and boom, it breaks. Sadness, right? So it's fleeting. However, meaning is is what keeps me going. Meaning is I want to build an industry where people are informed yeah. and by seeing no matter how difficult it gets or how trying it gets meaning is what keeps me there because it's not that i'm happy all the time but once in a while i'm going to get a report from my student who just closed a deal and her artist just got a plaque from tanzania yeah. right and then i'm another day i'm going to see my students who are running a company managing major banks and turning the entertainer then another day i'm going to see my students as head of ndondo nigeria is that continuous excitement that meaning brings right yeah. and so for me that's what i'm more focused on and my meaning is my 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 role as i said is nation building but nation building first through entertainment yeah and helping people grow into that place of confidence in themselves mba 21 with me outside my my wife and my son gave me one of the greatest joys in my life. Seeing people who started and did not believe in themselves or did not understand anything, going out at the end and saying, I know this thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, can, I can do this thing. You know, that is the difference between me trying to spoon feed people, you know, and trying to force information and people saying, I'm going to commit I'm going to try, I'm going to learn, I'm going to practice, and I'm going to provide solutions. And I have people already telling me, I'm making money here, I got this new job, I got this opportunity. Those are the things that, that make this worth it for me. That's beautiful. Because I, I know a lot, I know a number of people from your program. Um, okay, my network is very wide within this game. Yeah. And both like the established ones and the ones who are still coming out. Yeah. Like, because I, I always know, like, the people that will be established in two years or five years from now, they aren't established now. They're yeah. still trying to feel their way through yeah. the game. All my students are my colleagues. Yes. Yes, that's what it is. That's, 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 that's the best way to see it. Or else you think you're bigger. No. All my students are my colleagues. They're going to finish the program. They're going to go out. They're going to do great. And we're probably going to sit in the same meeting. <laughs> so, have you ever been in any situation where you're sitting with a student? In the yeah, meeting? many, actually, many. Yeah. Um, from and, uh, from shows outside the country to meetings in places, some organized by them. You know, um, yeah, many. And how does that make you feel? Proud. Okay. You know, um, somebody said to me in 2019. Yeah. That you know, why are you doing this? No, no, 2017. Why yeah. are you doing this? These people you're training will come and take your job. Yeah. 
And I said, I'd like to see them try. Not because I'm saying, oh, they can't do it. But because I'm not going to be sitting down, not developing myself as well. Yeah. And so if if any of my students can take my artist from me, they deserve it. You know what I mean? They yeah. de- if any of my students can take a client from me, they deserve it. But the funny thing is my students are not coming after my clients. My students are developing their own business. They're creating their own opportunities. And so the thing people are most afraid of sometimes is the things that they would probably do. Sure. And one thing about the industry. So I, I've been in the business of like sharing knowledge of mining the industry for the best parts of it, the most impactful parts of it. And, you know, finding ways to communicate that to the public in the best possible yeah. format. And when you talk to a lot of industry people, when you have conversations with them, you discover that the only reason why a lot of them hold knowledge, the only reason why they don't share with people and all that is because they believe this piece of knowledge that they have, this this OT, in the manner of speaking, this OT on how to move, how to make this happen, how to do that, it's what gives them their competitive edge. And giving it out and putting a lot of people onto their game undermines them because eventually they would become obsolete. That's a horrible way to think through it. And, but, but that's and the conversation for, for I've people, had with a lot of people. I've had, I've had conversations with a few people. Um, I'll give you the different scenarios of that statement. Okay. One is people don't train people well enough because they think they will leave. That's valid. Right? I don't want um, people leaving me. Yeah, but you see, you don't own them. True. Right? So there is there is a particular value that you expect people to offer you. So instead, why don't you create a system where multiple people can pass through you and help your system grow, but at the same time, they don't feel caged into your system, right? And as you grow as a business, you can afford... If if I'm paying somebody, let's say I'm paying somebody 50K, yeah. right? And the person has learned everything they want to learn. They've worked with me for two years and their salary has not increased, not because I don't want to pay them. Maybe I don't have capacity yeah. to increase their salary. I can't afford to increase it. I can't afford to increase it. Am I going to tell that person if the person gets a 100K deal that he can't leave? Of course That not. would not be fair, yeah, right? So it's... You, you want to also grow and develop capacity, but you also want to recognize that people have ambitions too, <laughs> right? The same yeah. way you have this dream, yes. they have theirs. Yeah. And, and they have families. They have things they're worried about. They want to get married. They want to build a house. They want to buy a car. And they might not be able to buy it with the money you pay them, you know? So more focused on is, and this is what I say to people when they do that, is industry continues to change. Yeah. Constantly. So this information you think <laughs> you have that is your way will become obsolete anyway. Why don't you build a symbiotic relationship with the people coming? Yeah. Because half the information I get now comes from my students. Yes. Right? Cause, so cause they're on the cusp of the they're, culture. They're there. They are. I remember going to a TV station and when I when I started my career, that TV station the people I knew there were the guys who were, you know, the guys who were given instruction to arrange music, the guys who were in the library, you know what I mean? I didn't, some of the OAPs, I didn't know the program director, I didn't know anything. Those guys, as I grew in my career, they grew in their careers, right? Sure. And then they became station managers and became directors. Program directors. Program directors. And now, 
I can make a phone call to them. So I remember one day I went to a particular TV station and I was going to see CEO, but I was trying to promote an artist, <laughs> a new release. Yeah. And I walked in. Young guys, didn't they didn't talk to me. You know what I mean? Even if I was like, oh, let's have a conversation. They felt like anything they say, because I knew MD and I knew head of programs and I knew station, they were like, ah, if I if I go and say the wrong thing now, he'll go and report to me. Or, you know, this person is not my mate. What do we want to discuss? It was yeah. difficult. The way I got through that was I got my team to do those conversations. And nice. it was easier for them to have those conversations because they were at the same age. They understood yeah. each other. They hung out at the same places. The same they connected level. better. And, and you know, you, you, you get to that place where this information that you think you're hoarding, people are going to be forced, which is why every generation rebels. Right, yes. and if you truly want to teach people not to denigrate social structure, welcome them. <laughs> you have to open the door and sit with them, and help them understand why things were working the way they were, and how they can change and make it better. I I took a picture one time. I was in London, yeah, and I was I, I was sent to go and buy after meal <coughs> for my son. You know, and what was it called? Aptamil. Aptamil's baby food. And walking through this section, and there was there was a there was a concrete path, a path, a walk, walk path, walkway. Yeah. But then there was a there was a path that was made in the grass. It wasn't originally there, yeah. right? Now, this road path comes around. Yeah. The path on the grass goes straight. Yeah. That's the hypotenuse. Yeah. <laughs> now, I. And I looked at that and I said to myself, this is the difference between existing structure and rebellion. Sure. Rebellion is needed for societies to move forward. Yeah, but that rebellion has to come from a place of knowledge. And the only way you know is to break a rule. Yeah. You have to understand it. You have to know why it exists. Sure. You have to know what it's for. So that when you break it, you don't destroy the structure in its foundation. And the reason why we don't have that, why every new generation totally shuts down what was there before or stops interacting is because there's been no communication. There's no record keeping. There's no passing down knowledge. There's no um, development for younger people. Yeah. People are fighting people they should be mentoring, you know, and... If you're not doing that, the next generation is going to come prepared to fight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so the only way we can solve the problem is instead of worrying about the information you're hoarding, how about you help people grow and then share information? Because new information will come anyway. And the older you get, the less... I used to do five cities in seven days. Yeah. I can't try it now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't yeah. have the facilities to get on a jet and fly. I have to go through commercial flights. I have to chase, <laughs> you know, uh, connecting flights and all of that stuff. But it means things I couldn't do. Someone else should be doing it now. There are younger people who can deliver on that. Yeah. Why am I not training those guys on mistakes, things they should do? Don't pack an excessively large bag, right? Find a place in the city you're going where you could find affordable clothes. Yeah. It could be at the airport. You know, carry light, travel light, because the only person that you want to wait for is the artist, yeah. right? So the artist can check in a bag, but you want to be ready. So you don't want the artist to finish checking in a bag, especially when it's a known popular artist. 
finish checking in the bag and then wait there with you because you have to wait for your own bag, yeah. right? You need you need to be able to move out quickly. Oh, somebody needs to teach young guys these things because they will find out, but they'll find out by making mistakes. Yeah. And what took you five years to do, seven years to do, could take them two years if you help them, yeah. you know? And those are, instead of seeing it as a problem, see it as you building your relevance and helping someone grow. And maybe the person will come back. Maybe they will never come back to thank you. But how many people do you do that for? It takes one person to just show you that what you did was the right thing. Yeah. And once you do it on a consistent basis, you you realize how much you have contributed sure. to the development of this. So I I believe that is a really horrible way to think through it. And that's that is that sort of thinking has adverse effects to the growth of the industry. The game. And for you, for the most part, you a lot of the work you do comes from your base of knowledge, mm. your your immense experience in the space. Mm. You've, you've worked with a number of people and you're yeah. currently working with yeah. a number of people because I I saw Show Them Camp yeah. have a show at Bolivar yeah. and you were in charge. Yeah, Show Them Camp, they're my clients. They've been my clients. This my longest serving clients or my longest serving management job is Show Them Camp. I started managing Show Them Camp in 2010. Wow. Yeah. 12 years of management. 12 years now, yeah. They're, we're literally business partners. They're my brothers now. Like, we're talking about Hawaiian Festival. We're like, okay, how much money is everybody bringing? <laughs> you know, we're, like, we're family now. As you see, we're family. So it's, it's um, yeah, I, I still work. I still work with, so I currently, because of MBA, I've had to reduce my client list. Uh, but I currently work with Beverly Naya and Shodem Camp. And the reason yeah. I do that is, you know how they say those who can do those who can't teach. Yeah. Well, at MBA, we believe that those who can should teach what they do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I can't say that I'm trying to help people develop how to do a show and I'm not doing Palm Wine Fest. True. Right? I can't tell you how to close a deal and I'm not talking about SDC's album. I can't tell you how to work in the movie industry and negotiate contracts or discuss deals with brands. And I'm not doing that with Beverly for Guinness or Nivea or yeah. Interswitch, right? So for me, it's I want to be part of the process so that I can tell you things about now. I don't want to tell you what I did with MI in 2000 and 2008, 2009. Yeah. I want to tell you what I'm doing with SDC now. I want to tell you what I did with one day three years ago. You know, that's how I want to do it so that it makes sense to the students and they can see. And even like working within the space, you're constantly learning. That's why I call myself a learner. <laughs> uh, you, you think you know. And that's why I said that way of thinking is warped, right? It is messed up. Because you think you know. Yeah. You'd be shocked. That, like, I sat down and I was, somebody was educating me. A student of mine was educating me about NFTs. I'm like, mind blown. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. oh, sir, we need to start minting stuff for you. I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> right? But you see, the thing is, you create the environment where that conversation is possible. If sure. people don't like you, they're not going to share information that can help you. You know, so I, I I constantly learn every day. I'm online. I take courses on a regular basis. I I read a lot. Um, I try to figure out how to adapt knowledge I'm getting. I ask questions. I don't stop learning, and you can't. You can't stop learning. Okay. 
But a lot of this work, a lot of this beauty that you're creating, a lot of this impact that you've had, is very rooted in your past mm. and how you have essentially built professional capability. You've built legacy. You've built a name. You've built a bunch of these things uh, that matter, working with artists within the space. Mm. I know you've worked with some of the biggest names in the game. You've worked with Juan de Cole. I think you worked with Whiskey. Mm -hmm. You worked with Whiskey, yes, because that's when I just got into the industry. That's <laughs> yeah, when you were that time. Yeah. <laughs> around that time when I got into the space was when you were working with Whiskey. And I'm just thinking here, like, I know you've spoken about how things change and how things move and become different, how mm -hmm. a lot of the knowledge that you worked with in the past was is now obsolete. Mm -hmm. But but they formed the foundations of what led you down here. Yes. It's just the same way you don't build the fourth floor the way you built the first floor. Sure. You know, um, but you have to build the first floor, right? And the moment you are able to put the foundations, well, the foundations you put then determine how many floors nice. you can put. Yeah. Right? So the capacity you're building around the time you start, you know, I started managing MI when I was 21, right? 21? Yes, yes. Okay. Um. 35 i'm going to be 35 this month so you managed mi over 15 years ago about 13 2008 yeah yeah that's over 14 15. yeah yeah because i've been here i've been here since 2012 yeah so I you're 10 years in yeah 10 so, years in. so that's 14 14 years ago yeah, yeah. exactly um, if, you, if you're so old then then <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know how long you stay honestly will heavily depend on the amount of capacity you build. And when I say capacity, I'm talking about how much you've soaked, how much work you've developed, done, how much you've learned, and how many relationships you've built. You know, like there are certain people, even in banks and agencies, that I can pick up the phone and call, but I didn't know them when they became bosses. Sure. I knew them when they started. They were ground floor level staff, and they, they built to the top. And... Now you can have that conversation and people just think, you know, it's connections. No, it's relationships that have been yeah. built. So capacity being built. Um, and so what I say to people is you want to, like you look at me and I'm talking about managing MI from 13, 14 years ago. And it sounds crazy like, oh my God, that's such a long time. But you, you will get to that point. But so focus instead on developing yourself, building relationships, growing. Yeah. Too many people are thinking about money. Money will come. If you solve problems, as I said, enough solutions will Would bring you relevance money? and it will bring wealth. And so focus on developing and building capacity. The same thing as going to the gym. If you go to the gym, maybe the, what you can start with is 5 kg. Yeah. You're going to take 5 kg until it becomes light. True. You know, you become strong enough for 5 kg and then you go to 10 kg. Yeah. When you carry 10 kg, it's heavier. But you do it long enough, it becomes light. True. And that's the same way you do math in school. GSS one math in GSS two, it looks simple, you know. But somebody in primary five is going to look at it and say that looks hard. So it's building that capacity, and everything you learn as you grow is going to add to what you're doing. So even if the information becomes obsolete, the process of acquiring information doesn't change. True. Right. Yeah. The way you go and look for information, the way you build your relationships, the yeah, way you relationships, do things. A lot of things might become obsolete, but yeah. the way you build relationships you build never relationships change. Never change. And so a lot of things never change. It's just how they're done changes. But if you learn how to 
ask questions, if you learn how to provide solutions, you will constantly be in spaces where that information and those things will get to you. Also, if you learn how to control your ego. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people, even I personally, have lost a few opportunities because I was more concerned about how it affected me and how I looked. And how it looked more yeah, than anything. Instead of what I could learn, right? So um, I don't take those things to heart anymore. Um, I, and doesn't mean I, I allow people to take advantage of me. It just means when something is, when something happens, I ask myself, what mistake did I make? Yeah. In what role did I play in you know like in enabling this? My 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 brother is a, my younger brother is a genius, right? Yeah. Um, studied electrical engineering. He can rewire this entire house himself. Now he is now doing. He works. He works for a company. I don't want to give anybody free marketing but he works for a, a company and he works as a manager there but he's because of how hands-on he is he's involved in everything so recently he came to fix my car and i had given him to fix your car yes so i'd given <laughs> he's, he's that kind of guy so he i, I want my younger brother yeah, to come he knows, fix my car he knows he knows a lot of things so i had been working with a particular mechanic um and he he's wrecked my car and so my brother came in helped me fix a few things checked a few things there so there's a knob on my radio, right? You know these screens, these Tesla screens, Android screens people have. I yeah, really, I have, I really, I, I, I have one of those. I really don't like them. <laughs> why, why not? I prefer, the, I prefer what came with the car. Nah. Yeah, I prefer what came with the car. So, I don't know what videos uh, when I'm not driving. Nah, when I'm just, not driving. I, 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 so he, I told him to fix the knob. Okay. The, the volume knob. And he... And he told me, oh, okay, I need to, it's not working, it can't work. And I was like, what do you mean it can't work? He's like, it can't work, I need to change the whole thing. So I thought he wanted to get a new one of that. That, oh, that, that entire system. That entire system. So instead he bought this other thing. And when he brought it to me, I was like, this is not what I asked you to do. So my brother came and fixed it, <laughs> right? And and by himself, he brought someone because he's not. He does know what he does. He knows about. He uh, generally knows about electrical about like connections. Yeah. And yeah. So he brought someone to come, brought someone to come and do it because I mean he's manager things. now. He's senior position. So he's a boss. He's a boss. So he brought someone to come do it, and he, you know, they fixed the thing. Yeah. And they took it out, and I just said to myself, well, I said to him, I said, you know what? I was angry with the mechanic, and then I said, what you don't know is your fault. <laughs> right. What you don't know. Is your fault and you know you can be angry about things but sometimes we see a problem yeah and instead of immediately the same way we treat words when somebody says a word we don't understand we go and google it yeah we don't treat everything that way we don't but that's the best way to you live. know so something happens we don't go out and say what does this mean what does this happen you will be shocked if you buy a car and you go online and google what to do with the car if they have this issue be shocked at how much resource is available to you now it doesn't mean you're a mechanic yeah. but when you're having a conversation with your mechanic you can, tell you can him, ask questions you can ask you can questions say, and, then and you, you can, can know when he's talking nonsense yes, you know and so and you can also tell him like sometimes you, i find myself because i've had i've been through like four cars um i just i bought my fourth my fourth vehicle in lagos in mm. 20 in january oh nice yeah and even now when like i have i don't have issues but like whenever there's something popping up and i've read a lot about it yeah when my mechanic is trying to do is when trying i notice funny. something i'm yeah. the one telling him that hey this is what i want to fix this is what you need to buy and then you be, reduce you reduce the opportunity to be cheated true just by having knowledge so yes. it's 
it's all part of the process of growth and more people need to stop allowing ego interfere with their progress but in this space in this industry that you're operating a lot of people will say ego itself is a currency for who so if you i'll give you an example one day cole and i are at cyber in cyprus yeah um he's held by immigration for a while so i had to go back and sit with him um he's exhausted now you know they're just they're just holding us for no reason he's tired but there's a whole crew of students as a matter of fact they came out with not students not just students but people they, there was a convoy of about 30 mercedes benz yeah waiting outside so now i'm godwin tom i can say but it's just me and one day that traveled i can say you know what one day yes we're cool but bro carry your bag <laughs> right but no he's one day cool yeah right it's important for him to show up it's well for him to be one day cold. It's important, right? So he's going to come out of that place. Now imagine one day struggling with his bags and coming out of the airport and then people are taking pictures. I would look bad. Sure. Right? Because my job is not my ego. Yes. My job is actually, my ego would interfere with me doing my job at that point. So sure. I took one day's bag from him, carried it with, him, with me, and when we walked out, he was able to be one day cold. Right? Yeah. And... and Yes, the guys saw me and like, oh my boss, why are you holding bag like they carried it from me? But even if they didn't take it from me, I would hold that bag until one day gets to his room. And yes. so there's so the ego people talk about is what currency for who, right? As a manager, you're protecting the interest of your artist, right? At the label, you're protecting the interest of your Employers. music. You know what I mean? And so it's like, what are you egotistic about? Yeah. So you were saying like, with an artist, like okay. You've been a manager for a bit. Mm. You just give me an example of how you had to reduce your, like, of how you had to, like, you know, overcome your ego yeah. to be able to do this. But artist management is the most, is the most ego-less driven art in yeah. this space because all of your job is designed to make another person yeah. prosper. It's not about you. No, but it is about you. Let me, let me, in, let me. In, let in me what way? So the parameters... Or when you say measurement and evaluation for yeah. a manager, right, yeah. differs. For the artist, it's how well they interact with the public, yeah. how well their music sells, how well the quality of the music they're putting out, how well they look, etc. For the manager, it's how well the artist does, right? Okay. So, so your KPI is very tight to the artist. It's tied to the artist. And one another advice I give people, because I meet young people now, and you meet a young person, no experience, but is managing five people. Yeah. Right. And I usually explain to them that this is a risky endeavor because you need to build capacity with one and then develop. And how you do that is, let me give you a scenario. So you, there's a massive building in front of you, right? It has doors. Yeah. Now, you have to find a door that fits your artist. Sure. Right? One that works for your artist. Once you walk into that door, whatever you get there will benefit your artist. You will open some of those doors. In fact, you will knock on some of those doors. Nobody will open because they probably don't want your artist. Then you have the people who want your artist, but it's not best for their career, right? So the doors will open. You will see what it is. You see the room, but it's not for your artist. So you will come out and you will continue knocking on doors until you find the room that works for your artist. Yeah. Because you've now found the room that works for your artist, you've now created a successful career. You've started building a successful career for your artist. Remember that you've seen the other rooms. One day you're going to meet an artist 
that fits one of those rooms. Sure. And then you're able to take that artist into that room without with at a lesser time than it took you to get your first artist in. Now you've built a catalog. You now have two clients. But you don't have two clients that you're struggling to open doors for. You have two clients that you've opened doors for. Yeah. Uh, as you continue to, when you open that door, you're going to continue knocking on doors to see more opportunities for your artists. But you've created opportunity for each of them. You're going to find more doors. You can decide, okay, I see another artist that fits this other door. And you grow. And that could take five years. That could take three years. So it's building that capacity. But the example of the door is to show you that harder work with two artists to the doors. At some point you had, at some point you had, you had like seven or ten. Artists. I had 14 clients For, at some time. Exactly. Because right? I, knew, I knew you had this, this entire business where one was signed to you. Yeah. And, and but you see, I didn't start with 14. One. Sorry, one. My career started with MI. Yeah. Right? And then But that's a because that's a heavy spot start though. Yeah, but at the time, MI wasn't MI. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Obina was there. Yeah. Obina had started with MI. Yeah, and I was I, joined. I, I was with Obina last night. And uh. the interesting thing about how the industry moves. Obina now works at Boomplay. Yeah. And at the moment they're having a conversation about like giving me major marketing support. And mm. when I'm talking about major, I mean like billboards nice. and all of that thing. They want to make me like the flagship nice. podcast project for Boomplay. So that's the conversation we're having now. But the first time I spoke with Obina, it was for MI. <laughs> so you see, so it, it's, it's you, 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 you grow. Now, because I was able to open certain doors or work with MI and saw certain rooms, yeah, I was able to figure out where to place Jesse Jags and Ice Prince at different points. Sure. And then because of the work I did with MI, I was able to see where I could place SDC. Sure. Right? And because of my work with SDC and Rooftop MCs and Iris, I oh, was you able work, to... You worked with Rooftop MCs? Yes, I worked with Rooftop MCs. I worked with Iris, uh, the lady who sang, you weren't even, without you. I know Iris. Right? Yeah. Because of my work with Iris, I was able to figure out where to plug Waje, right? Yeah. And because of my work with... You get to a point where because of the things that you have access to, you're able to identify opportunities for people. True. And so because I've opened so many doors from marketing agencies to companies, brand teams to telcos to ETC. The artist I, I signed on, I'm not going to mention his name. I was able to, he didn't even realize he was still signed to a particular telco. Why? Because when I negotiated a deal with the, with the telco in 2013, yeah. they had a clause that I fought for three weeks for them to remove and they refused, called a rollover clause. And... And this artist that I started working with later on, 2017 or 2017, asked him, where's your contract? And he was like, oh, he, he doesn't know where it is. And I said, okay, okay. I know one clause <laughs> that no matter what you negotiated will exist. Yeah. Have they given you a termination letter? He said, no. And I walked in and I said, you owe my client money. That clause that you fought for them to remove. For remove, that they, they refused. Refuse. So now it's not beneficial to it's you. It's not beneficial, right? But you see, that's talking about being in the room. I wasn't in that room to see what that outcome could be. I wouldn't have thought of that solution for the artist because the artist got paid a prorated fee of 11 months wow. for their fee. So they got almost the full endorsement fee. And to be honest, the artist did nothing. 
didn't do anything. They didn't because, need to move. Yeah, but because it was in the contract, because it, it had to be honored. It had to be honored, right? So the company paid money. The artists didn't even believe that that money existed was anywhere, right? <laughs> right? Do you understand? But that's my point. Like, because of the amount of work done, yeah. you walk in through certain doors. Yeah. And because of the amount of doors you walk into, that now determines how many people you can carry into different places. I remember uh, when I was handling, I, I helped book in, in 2018, 2018, 2019. Yeah. And the issue, they said, ah, we need to make money. And I was like, okay, cool. You play for bears. Then I was managing bears at the time. I was like, all right, let me find opportunities for you. What do you want to do? They told me. And I just went out, knocked on certain doors that I knew those opportunities existed. And made them money, right? But yeah. I couldn't do that if I didn't know where those doors were. And sure. so my advice to people is build capacity. And then it becomes easy because what happens is, as I said about the doors, let me give you an example. Let's say you take, you're preaching to artists. Yeah. And then one door opens, but it's only good for one of them. Yeah. Two of them are looking at you. Who are you going to give this opportunity to? You see the one that's good. Yes, but then you're going to create problems with the one that's not good for it. But then you would also have to like consider how much your percentage is. Yes, you consider all of that. But that's my point, right? You, What you do for artist B should be done for artist B because it's right for artist B. Yeah. What you do for artist A should be right for artist A. But that is artist B and artist A's business. Yeah. It has nothing. What's doing for artist B is no longer is no business for artist A. But because you've not built enough capacity, you're knocking on every door. You're telling them all the things you're doing, and when it doesn't materialize, so you knock on this door and you create an opportunity for artist A. Artist B is like, what's going on? Why did yeah. you give me that it's opportunity? It's not. It's unnecessary. So you build capacity, and then you help the artist succeed. But then you also understand something about mm. artists. I've been in this industry for over 10 years. Yeah. And I've noticed something dealing with artists. Like when I deal there, I like to deal with artists with their managers mm. because artists trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in, in the event, over time you get to meet people you like or people that connect with you on a personal level. Yeah. And you'd have to deal with them yeah. because even though you deal with their management, with their management, it's just to inform them that I'm doing this with this yeah. artist. I want you to know because you're in charge of their business. Yeah. But this is what me and this, I and this artist have agreed yeah. on. And you discover something about musicians and everything. And emotions are, are all over the place. Yeah. Number two, they are very paranoid that they get to the point where, the point where they doubt everything. They question everything because mm. they feel like anything that happens has to belong to them. And and then on, on the third count, mm. that, that's the second count. On the third count, artists just want to be happy. Oh, I used to think that. Okay. Yeah, but it's not entirely true. Okay. In what sense? So, a few exceptions. Yeah. But most artists think emotionally. True. Yeah. And most creatives think emotionally yes. because they have to feel things. That's how they that's how they survive. That's how they navigate the world. Yeah, exactly. They have to feel things. And because they have to feel things, that takes over a large part of how they make decisions, how yeah. they react to things. And so I could read a text message and show an artist, and the text message didn't mean anything to me, but it offends the artist, right? Yeah. Um, 
So we need to also learn not to expect them to think like us because that's part of the challenge, right? Our expectations of them. Um, you have people who are dealing with the same insecurities as me and you, yeah. but there's a camera on them. True. Right? They're, they're under the microscope. They're under the microscope of everybody. Any little mistake, mistakes that all of us get away with, they're punished for. And so that co- that will cause paranoia for anyone. Sure. It will cause you to be cautious about what you do. That's one. Two, because they're in the light, everybody sees them. And because everybody sees them, anybody with any type of access will approach, including unscrupulous people. And so you have situations where artists are hurt and burnt. Yeah. And so they react to things that way. Yeah. You know, so if an artist was if an artist gave an interview where they were promised that a particular topic would not be brought up, yeah. it is brought up. Next time they're going for an interview, they're going to tell you, I don't want to go to this interview because they're going to bring this up. And you're going to say, no, I'll tell them not to say, but you told them the last time. And they still brought, and they it. Still brought it up, right? So yeah, that, that sucks, man. That creates, I, I, I never do that to yeah, artists. So, but a lot of people do, right? And so when an artist is engaging somebody, especially for the first time, their reaction to that person will be based on that. But what you learn is... Yeah. Trust is built. Yeah. Even with artists, trust is built. Yes. And even when you think that artists don't care, sometimes it's ego. Sometimes it's emotional decision making. But when you tell an artist the truth, whether they agree with you or not, they know that you're telling them the truth. Whether they admit it or not, they know you're telling them the truth. They know who the yes men on their team are. They know who the people who truly have their backs are. They know who the person who, you know, if I talk anyhow to this person, will embarrass me in public. They know that. They're human beings like us. Yeah. They, they process information as well. And so you see an artist make a decision. What I usually ask people to do is, hold on, judge conversation. Find out why this artist made the decision. Find out why this was the go-to reaction. Right, you, I, I met an artist who remembers what his father said to him when he was five. It wasn't positive. You know what I mean? I've met an artist who has dealt with really touching somebody and getting accused of all sorts of things. Yeah. So when somebody tries to get close and he's like, eh, yeah. people think he's being arrogant. He's just trying to avoid so being avoid in the same situation, situation again. So a lot of times we judge people, not just artists, people generally. Definitely, artists don't have the luxury of deciding that i can go out tomorrow and nobody on the road will talk to me at all <laughs> you know what i mean they have to deal with the fact that anywhere they go somebody is going to try to do something that will provoke them so to get some, a reaction. Someone's going to try some shit with I them. I mean, social media. I remember somebody one time said something really nasty to Ajay. Really, yeah. really nasty on, 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 on her page. Yeah. And it was so bad that she couldn't ignore it. Like, she was she was like, why, like, why would you say such a thing on such a public space? Like, why would you... And it was about her body and something. And he... Like, even I read it and I was like, this is disgusting. Yeah. And she was like... Why would you? She, she responded to the guy. Do you know what the guy said? I finally got your attention. Wow. <laughs> That's a crazy way to get the person. Do you understand what I'm saying? And there are people who can demonize so, someone. To so get imagine that person meeting her in person, maybe at the airport, and he's trying to get her attention, and she's busy on her phone trying to talk to her daughter, or maybe or trying at, to respond to lounge, something. You know what I mean? That person is going to do something ridiculous 
And because the artist reacts as a human being, yeah. somebody's going to say, this person cannot control their temper. Are you not a celebrity? You should. That's, it's a difficult place to be for them. And most people will never understand it until they're in the space. Another example is, I, I've had some, in the past, in 2019, 2020, I had, I had some falling out with an artist, mm. Zlatan. Mm. And as I speak to you now, Zlatan is one of my most listened podcasts mm. ever mm. In, on earth. And, but this was an artist I had a fallout with. I had a con I, and that was because we were friends before we had had plans to link up and just chill with each other to understand like how we exist. Like he understands where I come from and he's willing to learn from me. Yeah. And over there, I'm willing to learn what part of the world he's from mm. and why it informs the music that he makes for yeah. my job. Yeah. And, we had a falling out because I spoke about a genre that he's pioneered, Zanko. Mm. And over the last two years, we have, over the last two years, 2022, so over in between 2020 and now, at some point, it nearly got violent because, mm. you know, they were trying to, you know, set a hit on me, mm. everything. And on social media, it got violent. But more than anything, I found a way to engineer a situation where I and this artist, like even though we don't see eye to eye, we could find the space to like sit and connect and understand where we were coming from, mm. the both of us. And when I spoke with this artist and everything, I spoke with his story. I, I talked to him about the story, where he was coming from, what he did. And I finally understood why he had such a problem mm. with me yeah. speaking about a genre that he personified. Because it wasn't about me saying this genre isn't going to work for so long more. It was more like I have come from so much adversity. I a lot of people in my life had told me that I wasn't going to make it. And now that I'm making it, I'm seeing another person telling me, even though the person is saying this isn't going to work for so long, but mm. how I'm interpreting this is I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. And that's why he got my cause yeah. at that point in his life, he was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And he felt like this was some from the past. And so that's why he reacted the way he yeah. reacted. So a lot of people don't understand what artists see yeah, and where artists, they come artists, from. Artists are going, there are artists who have dealt with intense trauma. Yeah. And we live in a society where nobody is helping. There's no, you know, going to therapy is considered being weak. You know, yeah. uh, getting help is, 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 is considered not knowing who you are, what you're about. Yeah. And, you know, those types of things affect people. And then you have people who have dealt with, have not been able to f properly deal with the trauma and then they have money. Yeah. Right. And so, fires, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. So things are reacted to in certain ways. You know, people feel like every comment you make is a jab at them. They remember when they didn't have, remember how people treated them. And then now that they have, it's like, why would you still try to, why would you try to treat me the same way? I'm going to yeah. let you know I'm that you can no longer treat me this way. You know, and uh, funny thing yeah. it's how we all are. True. You know what I mean? It's sure. how all of us are. And it's just some some have more power to exert that reaction to people. But it's just life. We're human beings. I get you. I get you. And so with all of this learning from managing a number of artists, from working within the space to the point where you're not just making sure people are stars, you're meeting a generation of people who would go on to meet the next stars. Yeah. Now you're in 2022. 
have a new cohort coming. You yeah. have YouTube. I see that YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does it feel being in a position where you're doing this kind of work? How does it feel? Well, it feels... In what sense? Um, so I'm taking the month of May off. I decided to take the month of May off. This is the first week of the month of May and I've not been off. <laughs> it looks smaller than the last time I saw it. <laughs> I've not been off. Um, the, I've easily decided to do MBA the way I did it last year. Okay. It would have been way easy, way cheaper. Yeah. But why? Why would I sell? Why would I give people less than I can actually give? Uh, and to to move it a step further. I told you just now that we, we, you know, my personal money outside, you know, some support was 20 million, right? So the money I got from YouTube would solve that problem like this, yeah. right? Um, now I have YouTube, yeah. right? I'm about to announce the next partner. I have people who saw what we did last year yeah. and are very interested in being a part of the program. I have people from last year who want to come back, <laughs> right? And so, nice, very nice. What did I learn last year that I can apply? I'll give you an example. Last year, when we were doing the talent project, because our album, the album, the EP was mixed by the final EP was mixed by Brandon uh, Blue Williams, right? Bazzi Blue, uh, Blue Hamilton rather, not Williams Hamilton. And he's a Grammy-nominated producer, and yeah. you know, so he mixed and, and mastered the, the the EP. And we found out that a lot of producers and artists and managers did not know what to expect from me from an engineer, yeah. right? When somebody's recording your music or your session, some of the producers themselves or the engineers themselves did not know how to record for mixing and mastering. Yeah. So they didn't know how to record a multi-track. They just sent us one track and it was difficult to mix. And even when they sent multi-tracks, the, the, either the artists used the wrong mic for their voices, yeah. all that stuff. So we realized that was a problem. And it's not just a problem for producers, but managers need to know what to ask for. You know, so when your artist is about to put out music. Eventually it ends at their Exactly. So you, what do you ask for as a, as a, as a business person? Um, when you're when you're talking to distributors or platforms to distribute your music, what how should the mixing be? How should it be mixed for distribution? Should you do multiple mixes of the song? If you're doing CDs, how do you mix it? If you're putting it on streaming platform, how do you mix it so it's enjoyable? Because the streaming platforms have to compress the sound. Yeah. So what at what level do you, so all those things are questions that a lot of people don't know. So we added that module to the program this year. And that means I'm going to need to pay more people. I'm going to need to bring more people in. I'm going to need to pay additional fees. So the program now is five months, Yeah. right? It's properly five months, nice. three months of training and learning, three and a half months of training and learning, and then the rest is for the release of the music. So there's constant growth, and constant growth is uncomfortable. Sure. And it so it's been, yeah, it's, <laughs> been, it's been quite uncomfortable for us this year. Um, new team. Some of the people are people who have never done this before. The head of admin for the program now was a student last year, nice, right? Nice. Um, so those types of things. The the head of A and R was a student in 2018. Yeah. So those types of things are new problems that I have to now deal with. Now I have a bigger team, and I have to constantly make sure everybody's doing their work. 
reports are coming in on time, tasks are being handled, because outside MBA, we still have the British Council project that we're, that we're yeah, facilitating. So there's a lot of stuff going on. So it's very uncomfortable. But I think, meaning, yeah. <laughs> back to meaning, I see what we're trying to do. I see the impact of what we can do and what we've done. And I'm thinking, how do we make this bigger? Nice, nice. And beyond beyond all of this, like knowing who you are and how you've come from, I've been in this space for 10 years. Mm. And in that 10 years, you featured prominently Mm. in those 10 years the question is now at this point are you happy with what you have and what you've been able to do with all of this experience and all of this work that you've done are you happy yeah i'm i'm humbled okay um by what i've been capable of doing you know um i should have been gone from the industry twice (laughs) <laughs> you know why, I mean? why didn't you leave um you know when when i when emma and i stopped working part of me broke you yeah. know um and but i decided that i was going to build something off of that yeah and then when whiskey and i stopped working that devastated me that that one was a bit different because i was getting used to a different lifestyle yeah. i was making money and then boom you know brand managers were not taking my calls agencies were not taking my calls um and so i had to rebuild and for the first time in my life i was building as godwin tom not godwin tom emma's manager godwin tom whiskey's manager i was building as godwin tom and i focused on doing that um so everything that has happened now has humbled me yeah to just see the possibilities of what i'm capable of right so i i sit down i look at situations and i tell myself I can actually do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sure. you just sit down, you're thinking to yourself, I can actually do some, like I can think of something and I can actually do it. And I think that is part of the amazes me the most. Yeah. You know, I'm happy I've been able to do a lot of these things, but I'm more humbled by my capabilities. And at this point, what really matters to you? Meaning. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, that's why I'm not everywhere. That's why I'm not friends with everybody. You know, um, that's why I'm I'm focused on what I'm meant to do. That's why I don't think that I'm better than anyone. That's why I only compete with what I did last year. That's why I'm looking at MBA last year and I'm saying to myself, how do we make it bigger? Yeah. And so for for me now meaning meaning is what drives everything why i do what i do for my children my wife why i do what i do for my family why i do what i do for my students for my staff meaning if if it's it it puts things in perspective and for me those matters so it is it's currently in a would i would i from the conversation i would say mba is currently in a good place mm. and you have your partners you have your sponsors. You're about to announce more people uh, willing to partner with you in this journey to building an ecosystem of people who are willing and able to do the job yeah. of amplifying African music, of pushing you know the business practices to the most standard phase that it would ever get to. Yeah. And and that's that's a key part. You're like 
I used to watch Spartacus a lot. <laughs> You're like the doctor <laughs> of this space. And at this point, you, and I know you've done a number of things, and this is what is holding your attention right now. Yeah. I know you do a lot more. Mm -hmm. You're just, this is still day one yeah. in the manner of speak. For you, what is, what makes it all make sense for you? Like, how do you, how do you make sense of it all? Like you've, you've had a long past, that young and successful past. You're having a very brilliant and successful present and the future is already in the works. Yeah. What makes it all make sense for you? I have three goals in life. Um, one is to be the best version of myself. And I know this is cliche, but it's not for me because the other two goals are well to be the best version of myself or my wife okay yeah That's beautiful. um so i'm godwin tom in outside you know i'm i'm this guy who i walk into a room there's respect there's all that stuff but yeah. i'm a baby at home yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean um like i i really genuinely enjoy coming back home like when i'm out i can't wait to go home yeah. right and so for a woman who gives me, for me the, I, I can't wait to come back to your home. <laughs> <laughs> for, 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 for a woman who gives me that level of, and it's not just how beautiful the house is, it's also how peaceful yeah. it is. You know, like I'm genuinely happy. Yeah. So least I can do is be the best I can be for that person. True. Where my wife should never, never not be sure of who I am. Yeah. to her sure. never she should never doubt who i am we will argue about things but there's certain things that she knows that that's not my husband yeah. right and i my job is to never put her in that place yeah. where she ever feels that way and so being the best version of myself yes for me but because of the people who genuinely care for me and i owe them that much and number one on that list is my wife and I tell her, you know, my I love my kids, but they're gonna leave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at, eventually. At, you know, they're gonna leave. At fourteen, my boy is gonna be looking at babes, you know, whatever. But <laughs> like, you know, like when when it's, he's done with school, it's nature for them. It, to do you understand? He's gonna leave, and yeah. I don't want to be with a stranger twenty yeah. years later. So um, we go out for dates every week. We we spend time. So that's for my that's one. The second goal is to be able to have dinner. With my kids more times than i don't yeah. and people hear that and think kind of random that's normal now you should have dinner but no people who are struggling don't have dinner with their children sure. more times than not because you're yeah. trying to put food on the table yes and it takes a level of work and financial stability and independence yeah to be able for to you to and freedom at some point for you to be able to decide when you're eating dinner sure <laughs> right sure. um so that that's that's the second goal so while my goal isn't to make money i need to make money for that dream to be achieved yeah. then the third goal is to be able to sit my children down and tell them how i've made every single penny i've made in my life yeah. i want them to feel proud in what i leave for them yeah. i want them to feel like i want them to i don't want i don't want to be a hypocrite I want my children to do what I do, not do what I say. And because 
right now they won't do what I say anyway. They will do what I do. Yeah. Right? So I want to ensure that I'm keeping that as a measurement for them to say I I don't have to be like my father. I don't have to do what he did. Yeah. But there are certain principles that he has applied that I've seen work for him and even if the world tells me contrary to that, I don't believe them because I've seen it work. Yeah. And that for me is the goal. Those three things are why I live. Yeah. <laughs> so everything I'm doing contributes to that. Yeah. I'm I'm doing things that seem very difficult, very very stressful and yeah, difficult because I want to ensure that at the end of the day I can actually do the math and show you the workings. I can show you if you do ABC you will get XYZ. And if you don't believe me, see. And 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 more than anything, you're doing it in a space where the maths almost never in, in American in, uh, Black American English, African American English parlance, they say the math is not mathing. Yeah, no. yeah. But in you the see, space where the math never maths. There's a reason why it's called social sciences. Yeah. There's a reason why business is called social sciences. Sure. Scientific. And the problem is, and people say things like, oh, there's no structure in Nigeria. That's a lie. Yeah. There is structure. We just don't know how to package it. Sure. Because Whiskid went out and did sounds from the other side. And it flopped. True. And came back and did soccer. Yeah. And yeah. it popped. <laughs> yeah, it popped. Burner Boy says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somebody in America is going to say, man, that nigga talking shit. Yeah. However... The average Nigeria understands that Burner Boy was exclaiming. He knows that he was crying. There was a cry for help. He was saying things need to be better. Yes. So we need to learn to package because if I go to Harvard, I can run an entire class on Ye. True. 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 Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I can teach an entire class in Harvard or Cambridge about what Ye I means. Stanford. Stanford. About what Ye means. Yeah. Because... It is in understanding that that we're able to then gradually package our industry and structure it. And structure isn't about money because if you put money in a hole, it disappears. Yeah. Structure is about how do we teach in businesses to create internal policies and processes, operations. And then if company A has its operations, company B has to do certain things to interact with company A. Yeah. And then now that company B and A are doing things that may help them interact better with each other, company C wants to come into this space, has to follow that process. Sure. Company D comes, follows that process. That's how structure is built. And then when you put money into that structure, it develops it and doesn't destroy it. Sure. That is what we need to be thinking about. And so the focus isn't, isn't you know, money. The focus is understanding. Focus is education. Focus is orientation. We need to change how we see a lot of the things that we do. And until we do that, we're going to continue struggling. So I'm not trying to force the OGs or the guys that are here or my colleagues to change. I'm saying we all know our mistakes. Yeah. Let's make sure these guys don't do it. Sure. Let's help them grow so that they can fix this industry and make sure that they win. Who cares? Yes. Oh, it wasn't you who did it. Okay. Blame the guys that came before you. Yeah. <laughs> but don't make the same mistake. Yeah. Don't be the same guy that you despised when you were coming up. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. Thank thanks you so for, much thanks for your for, time. And thank you so much for your candor, more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for 
thank you for allowing me be on your podcast. It's an it's an honor to be on to be on the podcast. Thank you so much. And and goodbye everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>